Hey, 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 and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the mayor, Heath Sharon, and the host of this podcast. I truly believe that we work in the greatest industry in the world, and I truly believe we work with some of the greatest people in the world. I, I mean that. I love this business. I'm very passionate about it, which is the whole reason for this podcast. I'm so thankful for Insurance Town because I get to sit down each and every week and introduce my friends to you in this business, and that way, I'm hoping that with this podcast, we can put out content that will make you a better insurance professional. And today, today we're going to be talking about referrals. Referrals are crucial to any business, but especially the insurance business. A good referral can lead to closed business faster and easier than any lead. But let's face it, asking for referrals, it's awkward. It's uncomfortable for most of us. And that's why most of us don't do it because it is awkward. It is uncomfortable. Well, today my guest wrote the book on referrals, literally. My guest today wrote a book called Generating Referrals Without Asking. And it's a five-step program that she's gonna unfold for us today, and it's incredible. Get your pen, get a paper out, take some notes, because she's gonna give you some strategies that you can implement in your business today. Right now, today, she not only has this wonderful book, but she also has a podcast. She also has her own website that is incredible. She's got a website with free resources that you can take home and use in your business right now. And it's going to generate referrals. She tells a story on here. I can't wait for you to hear it. But she refers to a story of a, an insurance agent that used her system and started generating double and triple the amount of referrals in one year by using her system. She herself gets triple digit referrals year in and year out. It's incredible. And I can't wait for you to hear her story. It's without further ado that I bring to Insurance Town my friend, Stacy Brown Randall. Stacy Brown Randall, how are you doing, my friend? I am doing great. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, I'm glad. Welcome to Insurance Town. Have you had your morning walk yet? <laughs> yes. Good. I know last time we talked, it was. I was very impressed that you were able to walk and talk on the phone without passing out. Um, <laughs> For me, as much as I talk uh, and as big as I am, I would have probably had a hard time with that walk. So super impressed with that. Um, but um, lead us down memory lane. Let's take a walk down memory lane and uh, let's talk about your your history, your past. Um, why don't you give me a little bit there? Sure. That's so funny. Uh, we're going to do a walk down memory lane right now. And the very first time we ever talked, I was on a walk. So that's, that's exactly right. We're all about some walking today. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I know my backstory isn't nearly as interesting for folks as what I can teach them moving forward, but it does really inform kind of where I landed and what I teach today. And so people always ask me, they're like, how did you just come up with this whole idea and concept that you could generate referrals without asking? And for me, there's always kind of like an internal like laugh that's like, huh, grace of God and sheer necessity. Because my backstory includes, I mean, like typically, you know, went to college, got out, had a couple of corporate jobs, always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I come from a family of entrepreneurs, so I knew that was something I wanted to do. I wanted that supposed freedom that I saw that they had uh, with being an entrepreneur. And so I started my first business and actually then had my first business fail, which was obviously not the direction we wanted it to go in. But when I looked back on why my first business, which was an HR consulting firm, when I looked back on my first business and tried to figure out, 
you know, it made it four years, but it didn't make it quite five years. And 80% of all businesses will fail within, small businesses will fail within their first five years. Like, why was I part of the 80%? Why wasn't I part of the 20%? So when I looked back on that business failure and started to figure out what I was doing wrong, there really was this moment for me to be like, I need to learn some of these hard lessons. Like, I need to learn some of these lessons and be able to apply them if I ever get the opportunity to have another company. And that's what I did. I actually had to get a job, went back to corporate America when my business failed, and then started another business about um, 18 months later after being in corporate America and realizing I had left for a reason, wanted to get back to being an entrepreneur, started a productivity and business coaching practice and was like, okay, we got to figure out how to fill the pipeline of clients on an ongoing, consistent basis so it's not feast or famine. And I'm going to do it in a way that works for me. So when I looked at all the ways you can grow a business and what I had been relying on in my first business was truly just straight up networking, like just a ton of networking. And that was really hard back then because my children were like, you know, just born and like two years old. It even gets harder as they get older. And we added a third child to the mix. So with business number two coming around, it was really this idea of I didn't want to network all the time. It didn't exactly work for me. So lots of things you can do that I'm not going to do. And I kind of settled in on referrals. And I was like, did I even get any referrals with my first business? The answer is sadly no. I didn't receive one <laughs> referral with my first failed business. Not surprising, I guess, that it failed. I actually got one referral for that business, my first business, but it came two years after I'd already shut the business down. And so I was like, okay, well, then I'm going to figure this referral thing out. And like everybody else, because I couldn't survive, I didn't think, and I knew my family couldn't go through or survive another business failure. I was more determined to make it work, I believe. And so I was like, okay, I want referrals. I'm going to learn how everybody gets them. So when I hit this advice of how you generate referrals, which was ask for them and always be asking for them and or pay for them, um, you know, and give the kickbacks and commissions on them or be really overly promotional and gimmicky and salesy and trying to get referrals. When I hit that kind of like advice, I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to do those things. I want to generate referrals in a better way and a more organic way, but I want it to work. I mean, consistently, I want referrals every month like everybody else. And because I think I had that determination of not having another business failure, I really pushed through that advice that had been around for decades and decades, you know, longer than I've even been alive, this advice of how you generate referrals. And I really pushed through and I was like, no, I'm going to get referrals in a different way. And it was solely to make my second business successful. So I didn't fail and I didn't have to go back to corporate America. And so, I mean, I'd already given away all my suits. So I didn't know what I was going to do at that point. So for me, it was, okay, I'm going to figure this out. And I'm going to figure out how to get referrals without asking for them. And I didn't know that was ultimately what I was after. But over time, that's what I realized I was doing. And then as my coaching clients started asking me, which are small business owners, so they were like, you know, insurance agents, CPAs, financial advisors, interior designers, like small business owners started asking me, hey, how are you doing that? How are you growing and getting all those referrals? It was just a natural point of, for me to pivot and start teaching them that process. And now, of course, I've been teaching this process for seven years about it is possible to get referrals without asking. But I didn't wake up one day and be like, this is what I want to be known for. I woke up with the opportunity and the blessing to be able to start a second business and realizing that I didn't want to mess it up. Wow. Uh, that's that's a great story. And I think there's a lot of people that are listening to this that would probably be able to relate to that. And, you know, for me, as a former insurance producer and out involved, like you said, straight up networking, I love that. 
I was super involved in uh, different referral partner programs. I would do Chamber of Commerce. I would do a BNI, Business Networking International. And one of the things they taught me was, you know, the difference in referral versus lead. And I know that's a part of, you know, you and what you do. Um, and, I, you know, if you wanted to dive into that a little bit, or I could tell them what I learned from BNI, but I'd probably rather them hear from you. <laughs> what what is the difference? What is a referral in your in your mind? Sure. And I think this is such a good question. And the reality of it is we all have different definitions of what a referral ultimately is. And that I think is when we take terms and we apply them and we use them interchangeably with referral. And when we apply the wrong definition to referral, we really dilute its power. So if you think about when I ask a business owner and I'm like, why do you want a referral? Right. And they're like, it's the easiest way to get a new client. When someone's referred to you, right, they are usually quicker to close, easier to close and less price sensitive because they show up trusting you. So if we take our definition of what a referral is based on why we want them and what makes them so valuable, right? So if they're quicker, if they're, if they're prospects, right, they're leads, right, they're prospects, but they come referred to you which means they're quicker to close, easier to close, less price sensitive, ready to do business with you, then understanding exactly what makes them that is really important from a definition perspective. So if we know why we want them, let's make sure we understand exactly what they are. Because I'll have people come up to me and they'll be like, hey, I got a referral. And I'll be like, tell me about it. And they'll be like, and as they explain it to me, I'm like, nope, that's an introduction. And that's why you didn't close them into a client, right? Or I'll be like, nope, actually that was a warm lead or oh, nope, sorry, that was word of mouth buzz, which is why you're still wondering why they're not a client yet when they're supposed to be easier to close, quicker to close, right? And less price sensitive. So a referral is two things that it, obviously a cold lead does not have, nor does a warm lead have, nor does word of mouth buzz or introduction. And so what a referral has, number one, is a personal connection, which means there is always a referral source who knows a prospect that has a problem and they connect that prospect to you as a solution provider. So if I am an insurance agent, right, and I um, know of a realtor, right, and this realtor is like, hey, I've got a new client who needs insurance and I'm going to connect him with Heath because that's who I trust. So the re realtor is the referral source connecting you to this new home buyer to you as a solution provider providing the insurance, right? There's always those three players in every referral scenario. There's you as a solution provider. There's the prospect, of course, who needs to hire you. And then there's the referral source, but you're always connected to that prospect by your referral source, which is where the trust is transferred. And when you're connected 99% of the time over email, that is also where you are then put into the driver's seat to do follow up and to get to a better position to close that referred prospect. The second thing a referral has is a need identified. The buyer knows they are a buyer. They're not wondering, why am I being connected with an insurance guy, right? Why am I being connected with a new interior designer? Why am I, like, there's no question as to why they're being connected to you. They have a problem, right? Somebody's either helped them identify that problem. The referral source has either helped them identify they have a problem or they came to the referral source because they have a problem and they trust them. And that person connected them with you because you can solve the problem. So the buyer is in the buyer mentality mode. That's actually what makes them quicker to close, right? It's the trust transfer from the referral source that makes them easier to close, right? So they're quicker to close because they're in buyer mentality mode. They have a problem and they're easier to close because they already trust you. And that makes the true definition of a referral. And that's really, really good. And I feel like um, so many people out there that are referring, if you find the right referral partner and you do it the right way, which you're going to tell us, 
is everybody wants to be a hero. I feel like, and everybody wants to be that person to say, Hey, you know, I'm going to refer this person because I can help you. Or I, I feel like I'm being a hero to you in this way. I, am I right in that? Have you seen that in your referral business and your book that you've written and all the things you've done around this? Yeah. But I think people misapply who's being a hero for whom. Right. So I, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So I would, I, I definitely think you're right. And I definitely think that most like, I think how you were talking about it and how I always talk about it is, is I'm not actually trying to help you grow your business because I'm referring business to you. Right. I'm ultimately trying to help the person I know that has a problem. Right. I'm trying you're to helping help the problem. The person with the problem, you want to be yes. a hero to them. You're not necessarily wanting to help the person grow their business. I get what you're saying. Yes. I'm glad you clarified that with my listeners. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that like, this is what I always tell folks, your referral sources, they refer you because in that moment they get to help someone else and that makes them feel good. And that makes them feel like a hero. It's your responsibility to make sure you're always treating them like they are gold, right? The biggest asset, I believe the biggest asset that your business has is your list of referral sources. I know your clients are awesome and they're amazing and we all need them and we all want them, but they come to you easier when they're referred to you. So the people doing the referring your referral sources, that is your business's business biggest asset. It is your list of gold. And because they feel like a hero by helping someone that just so happens to be connected, they're connecting them to you. You need to make sure you continue that feeling, right, of taking care of them. 100%. And I feel like, you know, another part of that is so many people out there, this is exactly why you created your program, I'm sure, are afraid to ask for that referral because it's uncomfortable. And it's not a fun thing to do is to sit in front of somebody with your hand out and say, you know, I need a referral or do you know anybody or can you give me a list of your friends and neighbors? And I know that you have something to say on that. Uh, and I would love to hear you clarify some of that as well. Yeah, I got so much to say on that, Heath. So, I mean, how long do we have really, right? I mean, so much to say. So you're right. Here's the thing. And I think this goes back to how we have taught sales strategy and sales training for generations, which is typically we teach a business owner when they're getting into business amongst obviously being able to deliver the product or service and to do your financials and to do business strategy and goal planning and communication and operations. And you got to do the sales thing too, right? So we learn all these things when we're a business owner or just a sales professional, right? Even if you're just focused on sales and the way we have taught sales strategy for decades and decades for generations is that it's two parts. You need your prospecting plan and you need your marketing plan. And your prospecting plan are all the activities you're going to do with a short-term mentality in mind where you're going to be out there trying to meet somebody, right? If it's networking, right? Or trying to call someone or email someone, cold calling, cold emailing, that is like wants to talk to you hopefully right now about buying your product or service, right? So there are these, a lot of different tactics, a lot of different activities fall under prospecting, whether it is networking, maybe it's sponsorships, right? Maybe it's attending trade shows, maybe it's cold calling, cold emailing. There's a lot of the one-on-one -on -one 7 million cups of coffee you've probably had in your lifetime, right? Like those are all prospecting type activities. So that's the first part of a sales strategy is your prospecting plan. The second part that you're taught to your sales strategy is your marketing. You got to have a marketing plan, right? So we've got these prospecting activities we do, but we also have these marketing activities we do. And so that's advertising, right? Maybe it's being a thought leader and publishing on social media, a writing blog posts. Maybe it's getting interviewed in publications and getting earned media through PR and publicity, right? So there's all these other things we do. It's our online presence, having a website, right? There's all these other activities we do 
that are building up our marketing. Well, for generations, that is how sales strategy has been taught. You got prospecting, you got marketing. And so when you have this concept like referrals and sales trainers, right, or the experts in the sales world are trying to take this concept of a referral and they're trying to figure out where does it fit? Does it fit in the prospecting plan or does it fit in the marketing plan? And if it fits in the prospecting plan, then we got to treat it like a prospecting mentality, which is quicker to close, shorter turnaround, make it happen. So we teach you to ask and we teach you to pay because that's the closest way I can get you to the referred prospect to the next, right? The next prospect, if it's by referral, fastest is going to be by asking or paying. So that's where that advice came from. And a whole industry like, kind of like populated itself from experts teaching you how to ask, when to ask, who to ask, the right time to ask, ask all the time, scripts, scripts, right? Like there's books, there's my, there's articles. It's, it is more prevalent in the referral space about how to ask than any other type of information that is out there. And but I, they're and, operating. And I, to be clear to my, my listeners, and I know you feel this way too, if you're one of those people that likes to ask for referrals, <laughs> by all means, keep going. I feel like there's people out there, and I was one of those. I, I have a very big personality. I love talking to people. I have no shame in my game. I had no problem talking to people and asking for referrals. But for those people who don't, this is where you need to pick up and listen even more if you weren't already, because you're about to teach us how to do it without asking. Right. And I think you're, and I said the same thing. When I tell folks, like, hey, if you love asking for referrals, go on with your bad self, keep asking you're not my people, right? Like you don't need me. There's other people out there <laughs> in the industry, right? right? That you can use and they can teach you how to ask. I'm not going to teach you how to do that. The, but the other thing I always ask people when they are askers, they're like, I ask. And I'm like, great. Tell me about your hit ratio. Tell me about how many times you ask and how many referrals you actually receive. And then tell me not only about your hit ratio, then tell me about your close ratio. How many of those are you asking for that you actually receive? And then how many of those are you closing? And that's where the askers Many of them will be like, yeah, well, I actually do other things to really grow my business, not so much the asking. It doesn't work as well. I'm like, right, right? So right. this can work for you if you're willing to stop asking too. But again, if it's working for you, I am not here to break something in your business. So if it's working, just do it. But for those of you who are thinking to yourself, yeah, no, I am never going to ask. That's not who I am, right? But that's all the advice that's out there. So when we've been teaching referrals for decades and decades and we're teaching it under the prospecting mentality, we teach you to ask or we teach you to pay. The other side of that is if we're like, okay, so we're not going to teach it under prospecting. Let's teach it under marketing. If we're going to teach it under marketing then, well, then we know marketing, it's a little bit of a longer burn. It takes a little bit of a longer to get, you know, to the ideal outcome we're looking for. It's why they, someone's got to hear your message seven times before they pay attention, right? That's all the marketing stats. So we give advice that's more specific to marketing and marketing mentality, which is, well, you got to be overly promotional and gimmicky, right? I see this mostly, I will tell you the cheesiest stuff I see is in the real estate space, but I will see realtors that will send out like a bag of goldfish with this sticker on it that says I'm fishing for your referrals, right? I mean, it's super, super cheesy stuff. Oh, that, that goes on in insurance as well. There's okay. <laughs> so many of those gimmicky things with the, the anyway, I, I couldn't even go into some of them, but yeah, there's a lot of that cheesy gimmicky marketing that goes on and I've done it as well. And if you think you're being original by taking a plate of cookies to a realtor or a mortgage broker, you're not. Everybody's doing it. 
So let's listen to what our friend Stacy Brown Randall has to say. Yeah, so and you're absolutely right. And I think lots of people have done it or they thought about doing it. So here's the thing. So the asking advice, the paying for advice, or the being overly promotional or gimmicky has come because sales trainers and experts have been trying to fit the concept of referrals into the two ways we teach sales strategy. What I teach and what I advocate for is you need a prospecting plan. You need a marketing plan, but you need a third leg to your stool in your sales strategy, which is your referral plan. Because if you think about it, everything you do to generate referrals is completely different than anything you would do for prospecting and marketing. Because when I'm doing prospecting activities or I'm doing my marketing, the end user of my message of, of my activity is the prospect. I go to networking to hope to meet somebody who wants to buy insurance from me, right? If that was what I do, right? Or if I'm doing marketing and I'm putting out a billboard, I'm doing it because I want you to see the billboard and then decide you want to buy from me. The end user of the message that we give in prospecting and marketing is the prospect. Completely different on the referral side. On the referral side, the end user of the referral plan that you need to build within your business is the referral source the person who knows the prospect. So your messaging is different, right? How you build the relationship is different. It is not salesy at all. It's not gimmicky or promotional. You don't ask, you don't pay, right? You do things to build up a relationship. And then what I teach folks are referrals only come from relationships. Okay, so knowing that, right? Referrals only happen with relationships. Then you need to dig into the relationships of the people who are referring you or you want to be referring you, then create a referral plan that allows you to take care of them in a consistent and ongoing basis, but I don't mean daily, weekly, or even monthly, which I think surprises some people. You can really have impact on how someone feels about you and feels like, they, like you care about them and not have to do something every day, every week, or every month, but be really memorable and meaningful in developing and cultivating that relationship with that referral source. And use the secret sauce, right? Which is what I like to say from that perspective of make sure when you're doing this outreach of how you take care of these people who refer business to you, your referral sources, in that outreach you're doing to them, make sure you're planting referral seeds. So subconsciously, that's actually how they start thinking of you. But the way I teach that language, it's just so normal. It's like, well, of course you're thankful for your referral sources. So of course you want to thank them and take care of them. And then the way you plant the referral seed language, it makes it all flow from a very normal perspective, right? This is like, this is right for the person who's thinking to themselves, I want to be able to generate referrals and be myself. I don't want to be inauthentic. I don't want to manipulate people. I want to be a good person and I want to take care of people who take care of me because that's the right thing to do. This does not work for people who are dead inside, like never going to work for you. You've got to actually <laughs> care about your referral sources. And so if you care about your referral sources, you appreciate the fact that they send you referrals. Well, then why not? Are you actually taking care of them in a consistent and an ongoing way, but at the same time using referral seeds as part of your language to be able to plant these referral seeds so they start thinking about you from a referral perspective without really knowing like that's how they're starting to think about you. And then you just turn it into a system that you actually can operate on so that when you're doing your outreach, you don't forget to do it. You don't go nine months 
without having meaningful and memorable contact with your referral sources. And here's what this isn't. All right, let me just go ahead and say this before that question comes up. Here's what this isn't. This is not your e-newsletter. That belongs in your marketing plan. Keep it good. Not saying anything wrong with it. It's not for referrals. Stop putting in your email signature. The greatest compliment you can give me is a referral, right? It doesn't, right. Does, that's overly promotional and gimmicky. So it's not putting stuff in your email signature. It's not your e-newsletter. It's not your, uh, your CRM or your database reminding you every 62 days, hey, you haven't reached out to this person. You probably should send them a text and see how it's going. We know what those text messages mean when they come like clockwork every 62 days. There's nothing memorable or meaningful about them. It's also, guess what? It's don't send me a gift that you think is a gift that has your logo on it. For instance, I've got um, a, a number of insurance agents and agencies and their producers who have been through my program. I've got one who averaged averaged about 50 referrals a year. And in the first year following the plan, the way that I teach it, they brought in 115 referrals, right? And so this isn't just, this is how you do it. It sounds so great. Like this is actually not theory. (laughs) Like this is put into practice. We've been doing this for seven years. We're really good (laughs) at it from that perspective. But we also have people being successful with it. Right. So you just laid out an incredible, it, it walked through the five steps. And for those that just listened to all that and are just blown away right now, you put this all in a book form and I would love for you to be able to let them grab a pen and paper. And could you kind of go back over quickly, those five steps, identify those really quickly for me. Sure. Um, and that way they can write these down. I'm giving you a minute. I'm stalling for you listeners so that you can grab a pen and paper or get out your notes section on your phone and write these down. There's five steps and you can go buy the book and dive more into it or get on her website, which she'll talk about here in a little bit, but let's, um, let's hear those five steps one more time. You've already described them for the most part, but let's hear those again. Absolutely. So, and you're right. These are, these five steps are, they each have their own chapter in my book, generating business referrals without asking. So I'm going to give you the overview. And then of course you can dive in more inside my book or there's podcast episodes about this as well. But so number one is it's maybe one thing we didn't talk about as in detail, but is identification of your referral sources. So you need to, I call this IDing the who. What we're going to do for our referral sources matters less until we know who we're going to do it for. So you go through your clients and you figure out which ones were referred to you. Maybe start with the last one, two, three, four years, whatever you have the capacity to go back and do. The more, the further you go back, the more data, the more um, correct your data will be. I always ask my students in my Growth by Referrals program to go back three or four years so that we actually know who's actually referred you in the last couple of years. And then we need to know, and we look at that by client. It's just the easiest way to do it. You, if you get, a, you know who your clients are. I mean, at least you should. You should have them in something, right? A database or something. And you guys have way more, right? Than just like some of my attorneys or financial advisors or even interior designers and business coaches and stuff that come into my program. They won't have nearly as many clients as an insurance agent will. But you still need to pull out those clients. Now, if you do commercial, yeah, most of the agency management systems have a place where you could put in there the referral source or where you got them from. So if you're not doing that now, start tracking that now, put in there, you know, realtor and their name or mortgage lender and their name. And you're telling me to track every bit of that and go back at least five years, correct? 
Yeah, at least, well, five years is like triple gold stars. I'm usually happy if I can get someone to go back three or four. <laughs> but yes, definitely, if you can go back a number of years, it just gives us better data. That way we know, wow, you know, Sally Referral Source has actually referred us every single year for five years. Like how much more valuable does Sally Referral Source come once we have that data? Now, so are you counting them a referral source that they've just done once or if there's twice? Or is there a certain num number that you're looking for that... So, equals a referral source. If you are, so the way that we look at it is you pull your list of clients over the last five years. If you have somebody who referred you five years ago and not since, they're going to be inactive. It means they're not a very active referral source. So I teach folks to pull the data, then figure out the last time they referred you. And that helps you define if that person is active or inactive. And more than likely, we, we focus on cultivating our active referral sources. But our inactives give us a pot of people that we can also start to see if we can restart referrals from coming from as well. So we don't like leave them alone, right? But we just know we have to kind of treat them a little bit differently. So when you're looking at your referral sources, if you've tracked it, right, like you said, this is a pretty easy exercise. If not, chapter eight in my book is going to walk you through how to do this through the process of actually, I call it walk down memory lane of actually figuring out where your clients came from. So I'm not going to leave you, I'm not going to answer all those pieces right now, but just know sure. chapter eight of the book, it has all that available of how you identify your referral sources depending on how good your database is or isn't. That's okay. So it's important to know who your referral sources are. But something happens when you look at this list. Number one, you start paying attention to who isn't on the list. You're probably going to be surprised by who isn't on the list because we think about the folks that we hang out with all the time in our chamber groups or BNI groups or we get drinks at the bar. Well, you know, not right now, but when we did, right. you know, and when we will again in the future. And so we think about the people we hang out with and we start to assume that that's who's referring us. When you do this step, you'll know for a fact, hey, you know what? I may talk to Tom all the time about business and referrals, but he's actually never sent me anyone. So that's kind of an important thing. Like who's not on the list that surprises you and who is on the list that you know you haven't paid any attention to, right? In maybe six, nine or 12 months. And I do tell folks as an insurance agent, if you're doing commercial and personal work, I need you to separate out your referral sources. So you're going to have commercial, like commercial lines, referral sources and personal lines, referral sources. That's really important too, because commercial referral sources are typically other business owners and personal can be like, I just referred you my neighbor. And so how you develop a relationship with them is a little bit different as well from the touch point or the outreach you'll do perspective. So step number one is identify your referral sources. The next thing is, is always make sure step number two is, is that you are in a routine and in a habit of when you receive a referral that you or someone in your agency is handwriting a thank you note. Now, if you're an independent agent and you have you and your assistant or you and like one person helping you process, you know, paperwork and stuff, I want the business owner to be the one that actually writes these thank you notes. But if you actually have a group of producers who are generating their own referrals, then I want the producers to write their own thank you notes. But whoever is going to be the beneficiary of that referral coming in, that should be who writes the thank you note. And the reason for this is, is really goes back to like just human dynamic and psychology. Why should I give you another referral when you can't properly thank me for the one I just gave you? And so that's oh. why we want to be able to send a handwritten thank you note for every referral received. Because that's more personal than an email or a text message. Always, always more personal. It tells me that I'm worth your time because it takes way more time to sit and pull out stationery and handwrite something and address the envelope. 
I don't even care if you don't address the envelope, but it's the sense, right? Of if you address it, somebody else addresses it, you took time to get it in the mail. What well, I don't one thing want- also I've noticed is when you write a handwritten note, at least when I receive a handwritten note, then I'm gonna leave it on my desk a lot longer than that box of chocolates or that pen that has the name on it that I lost or left at a restaurant. And so I feel like that's great advice. The old school handwritten note. It is. And here's the other thing. The reason why we do a handwritten note is one, because it conveys time. And if you are willing to spend time on me, that tells me that I'm more important to you and that impacts how I feel about you. And exactly what you said, it's usually going to end up on a desk or on a noteboard or corkboard or somewhere around the office. And it may sit there for only five, 10, 15, 30 days. But when I pick it up to go move it, whether that even is to throw it in the trash can or to put it in a box of thank you notes, I'm reading it again. And you're reminding me again that I've referred you. And so the thank you note is actually step two, but it's minimal because here's what I tell folks. What are you going to do to take care of that relationship with your referral source in between your opportunity to write thank you notes because they've sent you a referral? Well, that's where you build that, that year-long plan of memorable and meaningful outreach. And that's step three. Build your plan of how you're going to take care of your referral sources in a memorable and meaningful way. And that's those touch points, that outreach that you're going to do to allow you to stay top of mind. This is it doesn't, after the handwritten note. Yeah, so the handwritten note happens automatically when you get a referral. And what then you're after then, that, you're, you're asking people or telling people, advising people, I should say, to develop a plan from there of other items to send out or other thank yous or other touch points. Yeah, so it's other touch points. There's lots of categories of what these things can fall into. It's not just a handwritten thank you note. What I tell folks are, it's you're building out a plan, a 12-month plan, a one-year plan of how you're going to take care of your referral sources, and you're scheduling it out, right? And you're not doing something every month. We typically aim for between four and eight touch points, depending on what your touch points are. And there's a system to how I teach this to my students regarding like memory runway and case how people feel care um, and then some other platinum principles and things that we I teach you so you can understand how many touch points and what your touch points should be so that they're actually memorable and meaningful but you build that plan and you operate on that plan then just every time you get a referral which that means the plans working you're also sending a handwritten thank-you note to the person who just referred you but that doesn't stop your plan you just keep your plan going but the plan doesn't work unless you're doing step four which is during that outreach, you're planting referral seeds. And so let me just give you an example of a referral seed because I think that makes it easier for people to kind of like visualize it in their mind's eye. So the easiest referral seed to plant is the one I call thank by name, which is what goes in the thank you card. So anytime you're going to write someone a thank you card because they just referred you, I need you to say thank you for referring so and so to me right? It's an honor to help the people you know and care about. If there's anything I can do to help you, please let me know because that is reminding them of what they did, right? So I'm thanking by name, but I'm planting a referral seed by reminding them of what they did. Now, when we do our outreach, those four to eight touch points, we're not saying every single time, thank you for referring me so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. Like we're using different formulas of direct and indirect referral seeds that come along in step four. But the easiest way for me to explain it is that thank by name example, which is one of like dozens and dozens of scripts and ideas that are given in my program. But the idea here is when you start planting referral seeds and you're taking care of me with that memorable and meaningful outreach, that's when I start, it starts to impact how I feel about you. And then because you're using the right referral seed language, 
how and what I think about you from a subconscious perspective. So once we know who our referral sources are, we know to send a thank you note and what language to use every time we receive a referral. We've got our one-year plan that we're operating on every single year, right? And then we've got the language that we know to use to plant referral seeds while we're doing our referral plan. The fifth step, the final step is now we just need it to be a system. It just needs to be a system. You need to know what you can automate and delegate or outsource so that the, the touch points, the outreach actually happens. And so there's not one way. There's not like when people go through my program, they're always like, well, just tell me what's supposed to be in my plan. I'm like, that's the wrong question. The right question is who are your referral sources and what do they need from you? And then as I teach my steps of how people kind of create their own memorable and meaningful plan, it's ultimately about who your referral sources are and who you are and how you want to take care of people. So there's so many different things you can do. Shoestring budget, huge budget. Doesn't matter. We can, the plan can work for both, but ultimately it has to be executed on and it has to be executed on consistently so that you will actually get the benefit, which is these things work one on top of each other. So when I tell you, you can unleash a referral explosion, right? You can be like the, um, that insurance agency that went from about 50 referrals a year to 115 in their first year, right? It doesn't start as this massive explosion from day one. Your outreach, your language, your thank yous, right? Those build on each other. Those touch points build on each other. And your, your explosion will start as a trickle and the trickle will start to snowball and then you'll ultimately hit your explosion because these things need each other they're not one hit wonders they build on each other to build this experience this referral experience that your referral sources will feel which ultimately just means we're impacting how they think about you and how you make them feel and i feel like um, you can also probably break these down as you look at them and as you keep up with who they are into little categories if you've got for example if I had a bunch of lenders that I knew were also Razorback fans, I may send them Arkansas Razorback stuff or a, something there, whereas a referral source that's a single mom may not care about those things. Am I correct in that? Absolutely. So one of the things we do look at within our referral sources is the commonalities, right? Sometimes we look at the commonalities from the perspective of what they have in common or what are their likes and interests. There's a couple of different ways that people can look at this to make it really memorable and meaningful. And I, I could talk to you all day long about this and I, it, I would love to have you on again to go further into some of this because you have so many wonderful yeah. things to share with my audience here at Insurance Town, you know, but I, I want you to be able to, you know, give one last little, you know, nugget or a little information you want to before we go. I hate to just cut you off, but because you're just killing it right now and I appreciate that. <laughs> Is there anything else that you would like to share any contact information, any way that my audience can get in touch with you. You know, Insurance Town, we, we love referrals. We, we all want to say that we're the best at them or that we do them so well or we grow this way. But really and truly, there's a better way. And you've just laid that out for us. But what if there's a way that um, they could find out how good they are? Do you have that? I do. I do. And so, and I appreciate that. And I would be happy to come back. We have a number of insurance agents that are actually in the program. So I've always got case studies to talk about and things that they're doing that is really kind of allowing them to be successful. So would love to come back. And I always tell folks that, you know, before you decide that 
changing how you do referrals is something that you need, why don't you figure out where you're starting from? So I have a nine question, really simple nine question quiz. It's free. It's on my website. Just go to referralquiz.com or you can get to it by going to the stacybrownrandall.com website. But just take that nine question quiz and you're going to land at one of three levels of a referral ninja. That's what we use inside the program and inside my free community on Facebook, referrals without asking. And we, we talk about like, okay, what level of ninja are you? Which means then we know what gaps you need to close to move yourself up to the top level, which is a referral ninja master. So it's just a simple nine, nine simple question quiz. You can do it in a couple minutes. He then that you've done it. If you want to share the level that you are at, but it's a great place to figure out where am I starting from? And do I want to take my referral generation to the next level? And do I want to do it in the way that Stacy talks about from her philosophy that you can generate a referral explosion being and getting consistent referrals without asking for them. Yeah, I took the quiz and I believe I was a networking ninja or a referral ninja easy Be beginner. Maybe beginner. beginner. Yes. Yeah, and you so were I was yep. you know it, what I'll tell you audience is if if you'll do this, go to her website and she'll share that in a minute, I'm sure. Take that quiz, she'll immediately shoot you a, an email and follow up with you and then the next day follows up again. And she's really good about that. She's got this down. Um, <laughs> I think you should write a book about it. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, you already did. Um, but yeah, give them that website, any other contact info. And then if you don't mind, maybe tell us really quickly what's next. Is there sure. something next in your pipeline? Yeah, so I always tell folks, like, knowing if, if I can help you and the best way that I can help you is really does start out by taking that referral ninja quiz. Because if, if you come in at the beginner level like you did, Heath, or the end training level, that means the only direction to go is up, and that's great because that's what I help people do is move them up to that referral ninja master level. But your quiz results actually identify some gaps, and that's what you're talking about that I follow up with. You immediately get your results and a PDF that you can download about your results that will reveal to you your gaps. Like, what's the difference between a referral ninja Ninja beginner and a referral ninja in training versus where you want to be, which is a referral ninja master. And so, and then I'll follow up after that, that if you're ready to kind of take that journey of learning what you need to know, just any free resources that I have, whether it is reminding you about my book, though, I mean, it's not free, you got to pay you know, Barnes and Nobles or Amazon, but you know, it, whether it's reading the book, listening to podcast episodes, reading other articles on my website, I'm, what I'm trying to do once I know your level is give you the information you need at the point of where you are. But what's next after that is if you get to the point where you're like, I want to get better at this and I want to go as fast as possible, then of course I have a paid program, right? I mean, I'm a business. So I have a paid program called Growth by Referrals. And that usually is the next step for people to come into. And there's a couple of different levels, different budgets, you know, for different folks. Um, but I, what I love about my program is that it's lifetime access. So once you pay once, you only pay once, you get lifetime access. And you actually complete work as you go through the program and you upload it through our online portal. And myself, it's usually me, but myself or someone on my team will actually go through and review your work so you know you're doing it right. So first start with a quiz, then consume all you can of my free resources that I'll email you after you take the quiz. And then, of course, if you're ready for the next step, it's my Growth by Referrals program. But my website where you can find all of this is stacybrownrandall.com. Stacy does have an E, stacybrownrandall.com. But if you want a quick link that'll redirect you to the quiz, just go to referralquiz.com. Just start there. Start with the Referral Ninja quiz. And I will put that website in the show notes so you can click on those as well. Now, quickly before I let you go, what's next on the horizon? Do you have another book you're working on? What's the next genius mind thing that you're working on right now? 
Yeah, so I am. I'm well behind on a deadline to a publisher for a book. Now I'm just blaming COVID. I'm like, that's all COVID's right. fault, right? Of course. It's COVID's fault. Every, it's their fault for everything. It's fault, I guess. Um, but I am working on another book. It's um, It doesn't have an official title yet. It's my Sticky Client Experience book. So I actually have, so for some people who come to me and they're not referable because they don't have the right client experience, I have another program where I teach them how to become referable and how to build a sticky client experience so that they can then, you know, get more referrals. So it's kind of like this book, my sticky client experience book is like, it's like Star Wars. I'm going backwards to writing the next book. So there's generating business referrals, but sometimes before you can get referrals, you got to be referable. And that's the sticky client experience book that I'm working on now. Um, and then of course, you know, that's the, the big focus for us is the referrals and sticky client experiences. I have other things that I do as well, but I always tell folks, I was like, once you get into my community, you'll learn all about them anyway. Um, right now, the best place to start is just taking that referral ninja quiz. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Stacy Brown Randall, SBR, whatever you want to call her. She's amazing. <laughs> She's wonderful. Thank you for spending time with us. And we look forward to having you on again. Thank you for visiting Insurance Town. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. I can't wait to be back. Thank you. Have a good day. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and for letting me introduce you to my friend Stacy Brown Randall. I really hope that you had a pen and paper out and you're able to take some notes. I really thought she left us with some really good information there. And I want to thank you again this week for all the emails, all the text messages and the Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter, all those messages that you sent to me this week and last week. I really appreciate it. If you've got a great idea, if you've got some feedback, if you've got guest ideas, send them to me. My email address is heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. I really mean that because it helps me to make this show even better when you get involved. And I have to tell you, just like I do every single week, this podcast is produced by Ready, Set, Podcast. They make me look good. They make this thing possible. They take care of all the recording, the editing, and the publishing. They can record on location, or if for some reason you might be stuck in the house, or I don't know, then they can do it over the internet as well. So if you've got a great idea for a podcast, look them up, readysetpodcast.xyz, or you can find them on Facebook or Instagram, Ready Set Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into a reality. And he does it so well. I, I, I can't say it enough. Um, just reach out to that guy. If you have an, uh, an idea for a podcast, you got to do it. Anyway, guys, I got to close this thing out. Thank you so much for visiting Insurance Town. I hope to see you again next time. Bye.